What an incredible time we had at the stadium. I think you must all give yourselves a big hand for having showed up. No, that's not a big hand. Give yourselves, I say give yourself a big hand. Come on, I think that's the way to do it. Give yourselves a big hand, everybody. Come on. Yeah, yeah. That's the way to do it. Give yourselves a big hand for praying, for being there, for anakazoing, for being cooperative, for volunteering, everything. I mean, Bazalana, after three years of us not being at the stadium, we didn't know what to expect. And, and, and you people came to the party. And more than anything, God poured out his grace and mercy. Come on, let's show gratitude and thank the Lord. Amen. We had a total of more than 3,000 people who got born again on that day. Come on, give the Lord a big hand. I think that's an... 3,835 people in total. Come on now, give the Lord a big hand. That's a lot. That's a lot. That's a lot. Think about it. How the soul of a person matters. What God thinks about every person. All the workload, the months and months of planning, the meetings that my bishop was chairing with the entire team that's working our sound guys, the AV people setting up the stages there. It's months and months. The money that went into the event, I won't tell you how much it is, but it's in the millions. Yeah, millions. Right. What about the prayer effort that has gone? What about the anakazoing you did? You welcomed people, we prayed, we gave, we were there. People came in buses. Some churches actually had buses of people that they had anakazot. And, and all of that, the preparation, we brought in guest speakers, Dr. Nwaka came, and uh, we had the youth service. The youth, our young people were practicing here for months and months, practicing for, for weeks and weeks, coming here during the old days. They were here early in the morning. All of that, all of that, all of that, just for the destiny of one soul. One soul. Now, note this. If that is true, and it is true, then we cannot allow for those souls to go to waste. All right? We cannot. In the same way we invited them, and the same passion we showed in telling them to come, whether you invited, whether you told, you said, come and see, whatever you used, I would like us now to show the same passion to follow those people up. All right? And that's what I'm teaching today. So you may find our teaching a little strange these last few weeks. But it is all purpose-driven. It's focused towards us achieving vision. God told us that the next three years in this church will be the years of growth, grace, and gratitude. A church doesn't just grow automatically. It grows because, in fact, you young people, you say because. <laughs> Have you heard our young people, their English is because. You say it grows because. There's something that you do. There are principles you apply. There's effort that you put in. There's work. And every member of our church 
must certainly be enthused by this vision. And you must be a part of it. One day in heaven, there's someone who will stand there and their testimony before God will say, if it was not because of this man or this woman, I wouldn't be in heaven today. They are the ones who invited me or they are the ones who prayed for me or they are the ones who followed me up or they are the ones and everybody here, like I said, the last few weeks, there's a part for everyone to play. You don't need to be a pastor. You don't have to be a bishop. You don't have to know Greek and Hebrew. You don't have to know a lot. Just all you need is just to take these principles and apply. Unfortunately, I thought I was going to do it. I wasn't able to do it. But I did connect with Ruben Mushatani, the man I talked to you about that I followed up. And by the way, I didn't know that Sunday he had logged on on our virtual audience, which is watching now and watching the service. So during the week, he made contact with our office and I've reconnected with Ruben. I had thought I was going to invite him to come here so that you see him. We fell. <laughs> yeah, I wanted him to come here in person, but you will meet him one of the days. But you can have your own Ruben. All right? You can have your own Ruben. And there's, a, there's a, another lady, Cynthia Mabizela. She has a different surname because she's married now. She's also one of the people, not only her. Now, over the years, as we've gone many places, we meet people again and again. Yesterday, one of our Kairos trainees, uh, they started a church, and we were there to give support, and he did things the proper way. It was incredible to see how this young man had walked in such a, a, a way of integrity from the village he came from, and the church he was raised in, that his own spiritual leaders were bearing testimony to this young man's journey. And when he went to university at UCT in Cape Town, he started attending with Bishop Charlo at Gospel Rama Church. And I went to preach there in Gospel Rama Church, I think 2016 or 2006, something like that. And that's when he connected with us. So when he, qualified, when he finished at UCT and started working, he started attending here. And he attended our church, committed, got into the Kairos, and yesterday we were releasing him. And, uh, and, our, and then... As people came up to speak on the program, it's several of them. One of them says, I'm so scared because Bishop is here. I, I listened to him when I was young on television back then, Koshitlop. But Zalona, you don't know how much your life influences other people. You, understand? You, you really don't have to be a big shot. In fact, none of us is a big anything. We are just God's people. But the highest way of living is to live beyond yourself. All right? The day... Your life can affect other people's lives. That's the day you started living. You are not living if you are only living for you, me, myself, and I. Right? And you can do it. These are not things like I'm talking about Ruben Mushatani, Cynthia Mabizela. I wasn't a pastor when I was following them up. I, I hadn't been to Bible school yet. Okay, so I was attending Bible school when I met Ruben, actually. But when I followed up Cynthia, I wasn't even in Bible school. And there they are today, saved by the Lord, running good families, born again, and all of that. And I'm saying to every one of you, that can be your story as well. So today, as you listen, listen and apply it to you, to yourself, and say, you know what, I can do this. Tell your neighbor, you know what, neighbor, I can do this. Yeah, I can do this. Tell them again, I can do this. We have to move away from this mindset that there are, you know, I think one of the mistakes we've done in the church world is to, is to, 
is to dissect the church and have what we call the clergy, which is us, you know, and then the laity. Now, I know we do that for, to define things, but, but what we've done, I think, um, unconsciously, and it was unintended, is to paint this picture as though the clergy are the ones who must do the work of God. That even in certain instances, in some places, that the, 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 the laity doesn't even read the Bible. Only the priest reads the Bible. You know? No, no, so, so what people do is like, they come to church to become spectators. So they come there to watch us. They don't read the Bible, they don't pray. Even the prayer, we lead them in the prayer. They don't pray their prayer. So people end up thinking that we are hired by the church to do all the spiritual work. You know? And Bonadeus is just to sit there, you know, and listen and say that was a good message. But when you read the Bible, Ephesians chapter 4 doesn't say that. What Ephesians 4 says is that we are members of one body. And we belong in this body. We have different roles. We have different functions. And God has placed us in these different positions as he desires and as he requires. And then he goes further to say, the body only grows as each part does its work. In fact, you know, in the King James, it's, it's, it reads funny. It says, you know, the Elizabethan English, it says, it's compacted, compacted, and by, by every joint that supplies. When, when you read it, you don't understand what it means. But what it means is that for the life to flow in the whole body, every part must pass on the life that comes into it. Just like blood flows in our body and nutrients flow from one cell to the other. So as the life flows in the body, the one cell mustn't just hoard up things for itself. It must allow life to come in it, but to come through it. And that's the only way the body grows as each part does its work. And that's why you see churches not growing. Members becoming bored because when you become a spectator, see, you expect me to be a Rasmataz miracle worker. So you come here, you listen to last week's sermon, you didn't do anything about it. You didn't win anybody to the Lord, you didn't pray for anybody, you didn't follow up anybody, so you are looking for your next fix. So you come here and compare this week's sermon to last week's sermon. And the best you can do is to say, oh, we are Kuluma Lobaba. But when you start applying what you have read, you run into difficulty and problems because preaching and teaching makes the outcome look easier. But it's as when you apply that you realize this is not as easy as they said. So when you come back next Sunday, you come back looking for answers because there's something that you couldn't get right. And as you sit there, the Spirit of God will give you that answer. So you, you don't become a passive listener, you become an active listener. Are you understanding what I'm saying to you? And that's the goal. We are here in this service as soldiers of the kingdom. Led and directed by generals in the army. We are here to train the troops. And the troops are here to learn, to study, to refire, 
to renew, to revive, so that when they live here, they go back into the battlefield. If we can be that kind of a church, we can influence our communities. But for the most part, church people are very passive. They just come to church just to ease their conscience that I was in church. But they don't intend doing anything about what they had preached. They don't want to invite anybody. They don't want to anacaso anybody. They don't want to pray for anybody. They don't want to lead anybody to the Lord. They don't want to follow up anybody. All they want to do is to be consumers. Look at the neighbor and say, I hope you're not a Holy Ghost consumer. <laughs> when I am. All right. So today I'm going to show you how to follow up. You've, you've invited people. They've received Christ. But how do we help them grow? Remain safe so that they don't go back. The going back is called backsliding. All right. How do we follow up a new believer? So follow up, therefore, is a journey. Somebody say journey. That's important. Remember that. It's a journey of discipling a new believer and includes pairing that new believer with a matured believer. Right? Like it happens everywhere. You call it mentorship. Call it whatever you want to call it. Coaching. Whatever name. So a matured believer, therefore, needs to reach out to the new believer. So if you've been a Christian for long, like six months or more, you are, the, you are the one I'm talking to. Yeah, you thought that you mature. Says it about ten years. Ah, ah, almost six months. <laughs> so a mature believer needs to reach out to the new believer, introduce yourself, and create a rapport between you and the new believer, and then arrange engagement sessions, preferably on a weekly basis, once a week. Okay? Are you listening, everybody? Ne? I'm trying to teach you. It will help you. I'm telling you. If you can follow someone up, you will grow more than the person you're following up. I grew a lot when I followed people up because they ask you questions. And then you realize, So you just say to them, no, I'll pray about it. So during the week, you go and research. I tell you, I grew a lot. I followed up lots of people. Lots, they help me grow. So you want to create that rapport. So your engagement sessions preferably should be one-on-one. But we know that today we can use technology like Teams, Zoom, WhatsApp, video calls. But please be responsible with it. I usually suggest, it's not a must, but I suggest it should be male-to-male, female-to-female, just to cut out problems. It's not a command because I followed up Cynthia Mabizela who was female. But even when you follow up a female, all right, or a male if you're a lady, ensure that you don't go alone and you don't go into dark alleys. Okay? If you visit them where they stay, you go with someone and preferably there should be somebody there and they are home as well. Why are we doing that, Bazalana? Please listen carefully. One of the things I've told many people is that, you know, Vazalan, let's not get into these controversial things. When you do stuff, just cut out things that potentially can be controversial. Do you understand what I mean? Now, Vazalan, it doesn't mean in terms of dress code, I must wear like this. There's no prescription in the Bible of what to wear. 
I know how to do that. There's no verse erin keske kansa jo. Eh, kansa jo ke bada bada ba. Ngata kansa jo ke ak. There's no verse that says I shouldn't do that. There's no there's no requirement. There's no prescription in the Bible. But if I was to come dressed like that, you would be more focused on my dress code. Do you understand what I'm saying? Than listening to what I'm saying. Right? So, what do you want to do? You just want to wear in such a way that it settles things, then people can listen to you. There's no distractions. Are you understanding what I'm trying to say to you? Right. So th- there's no prescription in the Bible. Particularly if I'm standing here, well, what you wear, oh, look, it's up to you. So I'm just saying, when you go visit a lady and you're a guy, in they are flat. Even if Nikuluma Ngoches. Are you hearing what I'm saying? People may not be sure. Do you understand? <laughs> so just cut out that. Just be with someone, go with another guy, or maybe a lady or somebody, and so on. You know, I remember when I was a single guy, it was a problem before I got married. It was a big problem because I was itinerating. And so everywhere I went, you know, the girls, you know. <laughs> Every one of them, many of them, they wanted to be my girl. I didn't have a girlfriend at that time. It's before I, I met my bishop, you know. So I, I, then I decided, no, you know what I'm going to do? I've got a sister, Kiyomo. Here's my sister, here, Chris. People didn't know her. I said, I said, okay, Chris, from now you'll travel with me. So next time I'm They thought she's my girlfriend. I said, yeah, it's fine. At least my, but my sister never sounds way because can I girlfriend yak? It's just wisdom, Barcelona. You didn't have to do it, but I didn't want to have issues. Why I ended up saying I'm not going to give women a, 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 a ride in my car? Don't give ladies a lift in my car. Don't do it. Don't do it. No, no, mama. Oh, oh, oh. It's not that it's wrong. It's not that it's wrong, but there was a time. When some of these tabloids were after me, anything I did, they were on my case. And they would write bad stories in the newspaper. So I said, okay, I'm not going to give women a lift in my car, except my own family, my, my wife, of course, and my sisters and my own family. Fine, you know, I'll give them a lift. But it's, it's, not, it's not because of anything, but it's just that I just don't want controversy. But Zanana, be wise. The Bible says be, be wise as a serpent. Oh, you understand it? So, when you do follow up, don't do dodgy things. If you're going to follow up somebody's wife and you're a guy. Eh? Even if you pull it, the guy who told you, who's this guy? And of phone at 12 midnight, come on now. Trada, video call, Tabusir. Suga. Look at the never say suga, so you know. Yeah, yeah. All right. So how do we follow up? Number one, number one, commit to always pray for the new believer. And I'll give you the verses. I won't read all of them. In Ephesians chapter 1, verse 15 to 23, write them down first and I'll read those verses. So what you do is pray those prayers and make them personal. I'll give you an example 
of what I mean. And I'll use Reuben as an example because at least that cuts out the controversy. All right? I'll use Reuben as an example. So here we go. I'm reading Ephesians chapter 1. Please open Ephesians 1 in your, in your Bible, whatever. If it's, is it a, an e-Bible or e-pipe? Just, yes. Any of the two. I, I'm going to read in the New King James Version. Other translations are easier to read. In fact, let's read the NIV. Let's read the NIV. Let me read the NIV. It's, uh, Bishop Chalo always teases me. He says, you must read it. <laughs> he says, you must read the Bible that we mortals read. <laughs> <laughs> Ephesians 1 verse 15 are you there yes. let me read for you now this prayer is the prayer that Paul prayed over the believers in Ephesus right they were born again people they were new believers so he structured a prayer to pray for them so this is really good this prayer if I had time I would break it down for you we don't have the time but let me read it nonetheless he says for this reason ever since i heard about your faith in the lord jesus christ let us put it in so wait ever since really good in the sea we see so he says ever since i heard okay and your love for all god's people keep going please uh, it's from uh, verse uh, 15 to verse 23 say he says i have not stopped Number one, giving thanks for you. Number two, remembering you. And note, not in prayer, in my prayers, plural. So, so they are on his prayer list. They are a prayer item. He's praying for them every time. And note the contents of the prayer. He says, I keep asking God that the God of our Lord Jesus Christ, the glorious Father, may give unto you the spirit of wisdom and revelation that you may know him better. That's what we want for a new Christian. We want them to know Christ better. Okay, and they need wisdom, they need revelation. Verse 18, this one is powerful. He says, I pray that the eyes of your heart, the King James says the eyes of your understanding may be enlightened. Why, Paul? In order that you may know what is the hope he has called you to. In other words, I want the eyes of your understanding to be enlightened so that you know what belongs to you in Christ. Many people who are born again, they don't know the benefits that belong to them. The provisions that have been provided through Christ. And the hope that's there in Christ. He says what? The riches of his glorious inheritance in his whole holy people. You know, there are riches that are ours. Not riches in terms of physical money or anything. But riches in Christ. I mean, the riches of salvation. The riches of being free from the power of demonic forces. Those are incredible things. And other things, of course. Verse 19. And for you to know his, own, his incomparably great power for us who believe. So you must get to a point where you, you know the power that belongs to you. That even, even if before you, you were born again, now that you are born again, it's power No because there are people who are bound. They don't sleep at night. They've got all kinds. But when they got saved, God delivered them. But they don't know that. You've got to make them aware that you have that power. He says, and I like he says, it is that power is the same. The power that delivered them, 
the power that God then saved, it is, the, it is the same power as the mighty strength, verse 20, that he exerted when he raised Christ from the dead. People must know that the power that got you born again is the same power that raised Jesus from the dead. Come on now, come on. Can I hear an amen in the house? And it says, it exerted, it exerted when he raised Christ from the dead and seated him at his right hand in the heavenly places. Look at verse 21. Far, and the word far is far enough. Above. That, that, that's high. That's all. That, that, that's, that's exaggeration. Far above all. You are far above rule, authority, power, dominion. In other words, you are far above every power of the devil. God has raised you above every demonic force, every curse. Come on, somebody. God has made you to be seated with Christ in the heavenly places. And his dominion and every name that's invoked. And the power is not only in this present world, but in the world that is to come. You've got to get the new Christian to understand they're not the same person. You know, Colossians 1.13 is my most favorite one. He says, we have been translated from the kingdom of darkness into the kingdom of light. Barcelona, we changed citizenships. We were delivered from the kingdom of darkness. And we were translated into the kingdom of his dear son. Go to teach the young Christian that. I remember I had to teach many young Christians. Look, you don't have to be afraid. You know, some of them have gone through a rough time knowing demonic forces and powers. They don't have to. I remember years ago they brought somebody who was tormented. This young girl, 16-year-old girl, tormented by, by demonic powers. She, could, she would see with her eyes. And it would really torment her. You know, some of you who've never ministered in these things, you may think we're lying. It's okay, think like that. But I, I, I would like to invite some of you to travel with us and to come and minister with us. Because these things are real. You, you may think they're not real, but they are real people. I mean, there's a story now. You can, you can get it on, on, on Google. If, if, you, if you put in the name Clarita Valunueve, I think it is. And uh, she was in Manila, if I, if I, if I, if I, if I recall. She had been uh, incarcerated in, 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 in CMEX prison because she had murdered somebody. And this lady, Begarongo was alone. And what was worse was she used to be attacked by an unseen thing. And much as she was incarcerated, you've got to know, Bazala, the, 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 the justice system of our world can only deal with things in the physical. There's a level where we come in as church people, where we deal in the spiritual. And this girl, her story was sad because she would... Uh, she would faint and have fits. But when she fainted and had fits prior to that, she would scream like she's seeing something and she would grab hold of something like she's fighting with a being. And she would fall and faint and start having convulsions. It was so bad that when they opened her hands, the palms of her hands, there was hair in her hands. Oh yeah, it's a true story. And when they analyzed the hair, it wasn't human hair, it wasn't animal hair, but it was hair. And even worse, she would hold a certain part of her body. When she took her, her hand off, there would be wet saliva and bite marks. No, you haven't seen demons like that. I've seen those type of things. Yeah, how's that? If you're Zala, you're Zala. 
You won't survive that. Yeah. So the man who prayed for him, I, I used to know him, Lester Samrol. He used to come preach at Rema. Uh, he's a, uh, he's a, uh, he's man, king, the, uh, the, uh, the son of his sister now is in the ministry. He's, he's ministering some, the son of the brother, he's uh, in, in, in ministry now. We get to meet him sometimes when we go to Ghana, running a powerful ministry. And you see this anointing on Lester Samrol on this man, you know. As I must walk in the anointing of God here. And I prophesy that you will walk in the anointing of God. We, we mustn't be afraid of demonic powers. Jesus Christ has been raised from the dead and is seated far above all principalities and powers. So Lester Samrall happened to be in town when she heard on the radio the story of this girl and they had recorded her screams, how she would scream and faint. And they had called in exorcists, psychiatrists, psychologists. They had called in all forms of professionals to try and analyze this girl. Didn't know what was happening. No, no one could help her. And Lester Samuel says, I was there on a different mission. I hadn't gone to see this girl. But as I prayed, I felt the Holy Spirit say, I must go pray for her. And he said, well, Lord, I was here for another reason. God said, no, pray for her. I'll fast forward the story. Finally, he got to prison after they'd spoken and made arrangements, prayed for the girl. Didn't work first time around. And the demon said, yeah, we've defeated you. He went back and he, he went on a three-day fast, I believe it was, came back, prayed for the girl, and she was delivered like that. Just totally, just delivered like that. Yeah. Last time I checked, she was a, a school teacher somewhere, this lady. Yeah, so her story gets updated. Free, she's finally got out of prison, normal person. Just imagine, Vazalan, you get imprisoned because demons are using you. How does the justice system help you in that regard? That's why we must preach this gospel. Don't underestimate this gospel. Are you there, Vazalan? So we must teach the young believers. You are free from the power of the enemy. Pray for them. Pray for them and, and pray for them to be filled with the Holy Spirit. Teach them the verses. So pray, pray these prayers over them. Then pray for them according to Ephesians 1, 9 to 11. I won't read it. Just write it down. Pray for them according to Colossians 1, 9 to 14. I was quoting verse 13 on, of that verse. Pray for them. Pray for them according to 1 Thessalonians 1, verse 2 and 3. Are you writing down? Look at your neighbor who's not writing down and say, who hey. Pray for them according to Galatians 4:19. So it's Ephesians 1, 15 to 23, Philippians 1, 9 to 11, Colossians 1, 9 to 14, 1 Thessalonians 1, 2 and 3, Galatians 4, 19. You got them all? Are you good? No? Okay, let me go back. Philippians 1, 9 and 11, that's the second scripture. Colossians 1, 9 to 14. First Thessalonians chapter 1, verse 2 and 3, and Galatians 4, 19. Maybe the guys at the back, if you can have them all at the back on that strip there, have them all. Yeah, good for you. Keep them there now for a while. Thank you. Thank you. Hey, what would we do without our young guys at the back, Barcelona? Just give them a hand. Well done, you guys. Thank you. Barcelona, do you see how the gospel works? Eh? The technicians and these guys who do these things, they're doing it at the back. Even if I'm preaching, but they're preaching too. Eh? 
Isn't this cool? It's cool, man. Number two, commit to the grounding of this new believer in foundational doctrines. The foundational doctrines, we will discuss them later, but all of them are in Hebrews chapter 6. Hebrews chapter 6. You know what? Maybe let me just read them, okay? We won't, we won't discuss them, but go with me to Hebrews chapter 6. Hebrews chapter 6. Okay, it says, therefore, leaving the discussion of the elementary principles, that's Hebrews chapter 6 from verse 1, let us go on to perfection, not laying again the foundation. So what are the foundations of our Christian faith? Number one, repentance from dead works. I'm going to cover that, but what does it mean? Sometimes people don't understand what it means to get born again. You know, if you go into some other religions, there are some of the religions whereby they will not oppose you when you present to them Jesus Christ. Uh, they will accept everything you say, and you will lead them to Christ, they will receive Christ. But in their receiving Christ, it's just, it's just like adding another God to their collection of gods. So there are religions that uh, believe in multiple gods. So they will just add their God. I won't say it because I don't want people to think I'm discriminating against some religions. And, and I've known, I've witnessed to some of the people in that religion. They, they will not argue with you. It's not like other people of other religions. They won't argue. They accept, they listen, they say, you pray, you pray. Mara, in essence, they haven't repented. So repentance means, Bazalon, you were going this way, now you turn and go that way. In other words, if you are born again, your lifestyle must be different. And your behavior must be different. Okay? So you can't say, I'm born again, and you keep on doing the stuff you did in the past. But today I see the way the, the gospel has been made to be social and hip and hop, and it has been made acceptable. We, we've toned down the reality of what the gospel is such that people can do what they do and claim to be Christian. And even thank God that God gave them the wisdom to rob the bank. Yeah, there's people who work in strip clubs and they thank God for giving them the job. Why are you getting quiet on me now? This trend concerns me a lot because it means people don't understand what it means to be born again. When you're born again, you turn from your old way of living. Now, you may not leave everything immediately. You can't uru umzalwana and you still go ahead You can't. You can't uru pulusito boeta fatenset. You can't. You can't. When you say I'm a born again Christian, so, so today, today, we see people all the time. They do fat and set, then they thank God, Hurio gave me my wife. We were, they were test driving each other, you know, it's like. And I, and I wonder, and it's, it's worse because they bring in celebrities who do these funny things. And some of you, you think because celebrities are doing it, it's going to change the requirements of the Bible. God doesn't move because of your celebrity. No, it doesn't move. The requirements of the Bible. Now, we should give people room and space to change. Sometimes there's so many things that one has done 
It's going to take a while. But they should be made aware. They should try. No, you can't. You can't as a Christian, you are still insulting people and you're using vulgar language. You know, some people, when they express themselves, and they're in church. But the way we go in a corner, a stadium. The way the way the gospel, the gospel concert, and the games alone. But we are so used to it. That's the way we used to express ourselves. Let's be honest. Some of us, every second word we used was vulgar words. In fact, I don't know why when people talk about something good, they have to be vulgar. Hey, I need to I'm changing. I want to live angrily, then I shy to live angrily. We're not talking about being holier than thou and better than other. I'm not talking about that. I'm just talking about the, the cleansing transformation that Jesus brings in our life. We come from there, all of us. We come from there, all of us. We come from there. But we have been taken out from dead works. It's got to show that Christ has done something in your life. You see? So we have teach about repentance from dead works. Note, faith towards God, doctrine of baptism, laying on offense. All these doctrines, we will visit them. But we must ground the new believers. So we must help them. And don't be harsh on them. I like what you said, Muruti Pizza. I know, Bazalana, in our own church, and, 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 and please listen to me carefully. Don't misinterpret what I'm about to say. But we've had people who've come here who are chain smokers. I know one of them who's our pastor now. You know? <laughs> early, early in our church. You know, he left the church, came to church, and after church in a shepherd's cave, you know. <laughs> now, I remember several times, because, you know, I got to know him, and I went out one day, so I was looking at him, I didn't, I didn't even, I didn't even say, hey, when I was I didn't, I just left him. Now, some of you may say, oh, call about what's Oh, listen, if you teach people God's word enough, it gets a point where God's word convicts them about the wrong. Yeah. He's one of our pastors. He's one of our pastors. You know? And he's a, he's, he doesn't smoke anymore. He stopped. But that year, oh, You know the story about this guy who, who uh, all had a problem with drinking. I tell you, he had a problem. He would drink. So one day, he, he, he got born again. You know, and he went to this church, and, and he was sober for a while. And then one day, he slipped. And then, yeah. And so the following Sunday, he comes to church to tell them what happened. He's giving them a testimony. He said, you know, I was, uh, <laughs> I was passing by that house. You know, that's when we used to go into the taverns and so on. I was passing by that tavern. And the devil said, go into the tavern. I said, no, I'm not going. He said, devil, I'm not going. He said, I passed the second day and the devil said, go into the tavern. I said, I'm not going. So the third day, the devil was insisting. And he came with power. <laughs> and he said, go into the tavern. And he pushed me right into the tavern. said, I went inside and I sat down. And I said, you see, devil, I'm really saved. I'm not going to drink anything. I'll sit here, but I'm not going to drink. The devil says, no, drink. I said, no, I'm not going to drink. He said, drink. He said, you see, devil, 
I'll show you. This is the last time you tempt me. <laughs> How many of you look at somebody and say, it looks like it sounds like some of you. Says, this is the last time. Habits take a while to break. And oftentimes, it, sometimes it takes a multidisciplinary approach. Being addicted is a sad thing. Whether it's cigarettes, it's sex, illicit sex, it's alcohol, it's pornography, it's the love of money. It's overeating. Yeah. It's, 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 it's a problem. But the gospel, the gospel gives us freedom. You know, Jesus made a statement that is, I've, I've thought about that statement so much. When he was going towards the time where he's going to be crucified, he says the, he says the, the evil one is coming but he has nothing in me. I remember I was reading that years ago, and I was thinking on it, meditating on it, and the Holy Spirit said, you see, when you have addiction, Satan has a hook in you. And even when you are doing well, he knows when to pull that hook. Because you've been dry for two months, and one day, he throws that hook, and that day, you drink so much that you drink in arrears. <laughs> After you do that, you feel so bad. And the devil, by nature, he's the first one to accuse you. Because the Bible says he's the accuser of the brethren. Then he says to you, you thought you are saved. Look what you have done. You will not go to heaven. And then what happens is, the whole day, you walk around in condemnation. And the book of John says, if our hearts condemn us, we have no confidence towards God. Once your heart condemns you, you don't want to go to church, you don't want to pray, you don't want to be around Christians, you walk around and the devil loves it if he can isolate you. Because if he can isolate you from the place of worship, isolate you from good friends, isolate you from your family, it is exactly what happens out in the wild. When the lions want to attack, they make sure they isolate their prey. Anybody who goes into isolation will finally be brought down. And that's what happens with people. And all the work you've been doing for six months being dry is erased in one week. And you are back, and the problem is, if you read Matthew 12, if you see the case of demonic forces, Jesus says more demons come back that are worse off than the first ones, and your, and your condition becomes worse than the first one. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. So, Rosanna, we must help the young Christians. So, if you, if you, if you see them by it or something, don't, don't be hard. Don't condone it, but don't be hard on them. Help them how to get out of it. Tell them, look, I'll pray for you. I'll pray for you. It's good if they can be open with you and 
please, if they're open with you, don't betray them by telling others. Please. Don't betray them. Why? Because opening up is the first and the biggest step. In fact, it's 50% of deliverance. The Bible says, he who hides his sin will not prosper. He who conceals his sin will not prosper. But he who confesses it and forsakes it will prosper. So in other words, when you, confessing, talking, is, is, is how, how can I put it? It deactivates the power of Satan to hold you bondage. Because the power of sin lies in secrecy. There's people who are doing things in secret. You smile, you do everything, you know in secret you are not who you are, you are, you are presenting to be in public. And this thing, because, because it's in secret and done in secret, you can't go for help. Can't go for help. And the more you do it, is the more you become enslaved in it. It's the more you become bound by it until you get to a point where you can't get out. And that's a problem with addiction. It doesn't tell you when you've crossed a certain line. There's a line, Bazalana, where you can do something and come back. Do it and come back. But you get to a point where you do it and you can't come back. And you only realize when you can't come back. And then you go into denial or and you fight when people talk to you. You fight, but you know you can't. When you leave it, it's only for a few days you are back. And like I said, when you go back, you compensate for all the other days. Now, this is where I say multiple, you can go to, uh, you know, the, we have a recovery program and so on. But the other thing, Bazalana, that's, that, that's very powerful is the power of God. Yes. Going into a time of prayer and fasting and asking God to deliver you. And taking time to pray. Because God doesn't want you or me to live as a slave. God wants us to live in the freedom that Jesus has given us. Free from alcohol, free from smoking, free from, from, from eating too much, free from being bound by sexual appetites that are blow the sky up, free from loving women, loving men. Oh! Free from this. These things are bondages. God wants us to be free of anything. And he doesn't want the evil one to have anything in us. Because, and, and I'm going to close with this, Basalan. Let me show you something I learned years ago. See, when Satan plants the seed of addiction in your life, it might not be detrimental to you in the early stages. But he will let it grow in you. A great secret. And he will let it mutate into many viruses. And he waits for you to be at the prime of your life. Yeah. When you've walked for years and you You've exhausted all your energy, your strength, your power, and you're at the peak of your life. And at that stage, it hits you. 
Now watch. And people say, Smamang uwile. No. How do uwile? No. How? No. We only saw them hit the bottom. They've been falling for the last 20 years. So when they finally hit the bottom, that's when we see it. But this thing has been in them for years. I started it years ago, particularly with preachers who would continue into certain types of controversies and all of that. And I wondered, but what happened? And then in private, they confessed. They said, I've struggled with this thing for a long time. And they said, but why? He said, well, I was a, I'm a preacher. I couldn't confide in anybody. I was afraid. So people in secrecy struggle with things. They're wrestling with stuff. And Satan knows how to plant time bombs in strategic places at strategic times in your life. He can leave you for years in your career. I mean, look at some of the stories we're hearing about some people in our country. How does some of these people who were good people turn to the shenanigans they're in? No, we only saw the shenanigans, but the seed of that has been in them for a long time. If you didn't deal with greed and the love for popularity at a certain stage in your life, if you don't allow Christ to help you, and, and while I'm on it, now that you're quiet, while I'm on it, you'll notice that God tries to deal with these things when they are still at an early stage. But the same thing with us is that we don't want to accept. We don't want to come for help. We don't want to give God a chance. When the thing is still at an embryonic stage, it's still small enough to be taken out. We put on our religious mask and our religious perfect mask. We try to appear to be what we are not. We hide, we smile, we mask, but we go in secret and get into our cage and we are prisoners. Crying ourselves to sleep. Sobbing uncontrollably. And God's trying to help us when it's early. Sometimes it's through a sermon. A sermon comes and it pricks you. And God highlights that thing. Instead of you responding, you want to be cool. You're not going to respond. You're not going to deal with it. For a few days you feel uncomfortable. After a few days, it's fine now. You've accepted. You go on. Yeah. And it grows and grows and grows. And it gets to a certain point in your life. It breaks your life, it breaks your marriage, it breaks your career, it breaks. It, it, there's a time when it just comes up and it just gets. But because it's grown, can't handle it. And it will erase everything you've done. I mean, look at some of the stories now. People who've worked for years and years to build a career, to be at a certain level, to, to do whatever, and all, the, all everything, just when they are about to be at the prime of their life. Just at that point, the virus shows up because they wouldn't give God a chance. Give God a chance this morning. Give God a chance. Hallelujah. Give God a chance. And that's why we follow up the young converts because someone who's still young in the Lord, they are much more pliable. They're not as stubborn as the old Christians. Their Nembeza is still working. 
Because people can become believers and, ma- and, and realize, oh, I, I can go there, sleep over at my boyfriend's house, come here, and the pastor won't know. So they get to know, so what happens? They start doing things brazenly. When you're a young Christian, you are still afraid. You're still afraid. You still think maybe, so it's like children. Children are not great liars. They can't, they are not good lying. Why? Because they're at a stage of innocence. Even when they lie, you can see it in their face, they don't know they're lying. But as we grow, we become experts at violating our conscience. So we can lie with a straight face. But that's not where we started. There's a time when we couldn't do that. Same as being a believer. One of the most difficult things is to stay with a tender conscience as an old believer. To be years in Christ, serving God, and still maintain a tender conscience. It's the most, the hardest. It's the hardest. It's very difficult. Oh, let the Holy Spirit speak to us today. Come on now. Come on, give him a big hand. He's worthy of the praise. Isn't it? That's what we're here for, for God to speak to us. For God to speak to us. Shall we stand on our feet? Shall we stand on our feet? Would you raise your hands and just pray in the Holy Ghost right where you are? Father, we thank you for your word. Your word is a lamp to my feet. Your word is a light on our path. The entrance of your word. Brings light. Pray in the Holy Ghost. Pray in the Holy Ghost. Oh, Jesus. I want to ask in this place that some of you who are here for the first time today, you... You've been invited or you've come on your own, maybe. Maybe it's not your first time, but as yet you haven't received Christ as Savior and Lord. And as you've been listening to God's word, you realize I've got to do something about this. I cannot, I cannot go on like this. I've got to do something about this. I've got to ask Jesus to come into my heart to be the Savior and the Lord of my life. As our heads are bowed, And our eyes are closed as we are all standing. If that is you, my dear friend, and you want to invite Jesus Christ into your life, into your heart, that God should change your life and you need prayer, would you raise your hand right where you are? I want to pray for you. Just raise it high. Let me see it. Thank you for those hands. I see them going up all over this place. Jesus, I have never received you as my Savior and my Lord. Or you did receive Christ, but you are not serious about it. Or you did receive Christ and you went back to your old way of living. Raise your hand. This is the day. Thank you for those hands. May I ask all the people who raised their hands. I want to pray with you, please. If you could come from where you are standing. Take all your belongings. Don't leave any of your belongings behind. And just walk to the front. Come stand in front of the stage facing me. I want to pray for you. Come right now. Give them a big hand. Give them a hand. Thank you, Jesus.